KPFA, KPFB Berkeley, KFC up in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. It is 3 p.m. with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is January the 24th, 2012. And notice the date here. Next week at this time, we will be having a fundraising marathon. More about that later. I'm looking at the Oscars. I didn't sleep last night. I noticed around four o'clock they started telling us what's going to happen at the Oscars. Uh, uh, It's like waiting for the election. I can't tell the difference anymore. My vote goes to a movie called The Help, all about the 1960s black women who work for white families in the South. I'm sure you've heard all about it. Uh, I think that the Lead actress, Viola Davis, that would be my pick for best actress. Do we call actresses actor now? I did that back in the 70s, and (laughs) they kept correcting me. Okay, Viola Davis, I think for for the guys, uh, I think I'll be... uh, I think I'll be cute and pick Jim Broadbent. He plays the ghost of Maggie Thatcher's husband. Uh, I believe in the film he's supposed to have been gone over at least eight years. She talks to him, you know, the sort of thing. Uh, she plays a woman who's in a uh, state of dementia. Uh, let me, let me look uh, in the New Yorker. Actually, I, I'm afraid that Meryl Streep may have put her foot in it. If, if, <laughs> well, worse than that, yes. Um, uh, the Iron Lady. I hope you, um, well, go and see it. And if you think you know what it's all about, you write to me. I, I'm just a little uh, ticked off because, uh, well, just, just imagine, if you will, what would the British do with Ronald Reagan? Uh, do we have any business writing up, um, uh, well, it's a serious political issue in Britain is what I'm, Trying to say, uh, let's see, let's see, um, who wrote this up? Uh, Lauren Collins in the Talk of the Town in the New Yorker. She has drawn the conclusion that, um, Hollywood has put its foot in it. Uh, right. Margaret Thatcher. 
Ha ha, Margaret Thatcher. Ronald Reagan called Maggie the best man in England. You remember? Remember Hillary Clinton? When Barack Obama kind of kidded her about her personality not being very warm, something like that. Uh, she, she invoked Thatcher as feminist role model. Why, I do not know. Uh, she said, guess who stepped to the plate in 1990? Margaret Thatcher. I wish Hillary hadn't said that. <laughs> she went on to say, well, I, I don't know how likable she was. Um, now, Mitt Romney has retooled Margaret Thatcher's old slogan, uh, Labor isn't working. Yes, that's it. Uh-huh. Ah, dear me. Um, <laughs> in Britain, Margaret Thatcher is a singularly inflammatory figure, according to the talk of the town here. Uh, the reception of the Iron Lady is pretty severe. Um, Meryl Streep plays... Uh, Maggie Thatcher as an aged doddering character. She uh, she's shown watching home videos in her housecoat, drinking too much scotch. Well, pardon me, a footnote here: you can never have too much scotch, especially in retirement. Uh, in the opening weekend, the movie, the film, took in more than three million dollars in the United Kingdom. That's a lot over there. Uh, you remember the movie um, The Queen with Helen Mirren? That one earned about a third as much back in 2006. Oh, actually, the, they say that the Queen didn't object to that film too much. But anyway, um, this wave of fixation on Thatcher... Uh, is upsetting the Brits. Maggie Thatcher is still very much alive. She's 86, and she does suffer from dementia. I don't know why uh, they're reviving an era, except that, of course, the UK is in some deep doo-doo, some deep yogurt over there, kind of like the U.S. of A. I don't know why they're... Uh, well, let, let's face it, I think the British have a, a better sense of history than we do. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I don't know, the way we still invoke Ronald Reagan as, uh, uh, yes, a happy time. Anyway, um, it is 21 years since Maggie's cabinet drove a stake through her political heart, we read in the Daily Mirror. And now she's back to haunt us. A ghostly presence on the silver screen, quote, end quote, yes. I remember Ronald Reagan years ago looking at his own old movies, the ones he was in, and saying, yes, film is forever. <laughs> yes, up there forever. There's a... Uh, Let's see, there's mention here in Talk of the Town of a group of former female coal workers in Chesterfield in England. They call themselves the real Iron Ladies. They picketed the multiplex. 
at a press screening, somebody stood up and shouted, uh, just, well, just after the scene in which Margaret Thatcher loses leadership of the party, yes. You're on your own now, bitch. Anyway, what this uh, article is telling us is that in the States, the Iron Lady is a movie. In Britain, it's a litmus test. So, uh, (laughs) they called her Mrs. T or Margaret Thatcher or Milk Snatcher. Uh, Everyone has an opinion. There's a lot of material here about the clothes, you know. There's something called Tory Blue. I wonder if that's anything like Reagan Red. Anyway, um, they used to say that Margaret Thatcher handbagged her opponents. Uh, (laughs) Somebody used to say Dorothy Parker carried a pistol in her little handbag. Um, Anyway, (laughs) funniest thing in this article uh, is the note that last summer, our own Sarah Palin expressed a wish to pay Margaret Thatcher a visit. (laughs) The ex-Prime Minister's advisers declined, saying, quote, that Palin was nuts. They used the word nuts. The current British Prime Minister, David Cameron, however, is praising Meryl Streep for um, what he calls, quote, a really staggering piece of acting. However, he did question the project's timing, saying that he uh, wished that uh, they could have made the film another day. Uh, Okay, Lord Hurd, Foreign Secretary under Thatcher, called the Iron Lady, quote, a ghoulish spectacle. Her PR man told the Telegraph... That's, yes, that it was rubbish. That's Lord Bell. I have a note here. I've got to look it up. I wonder if Lord Bell is any relation to Quinton Bell. That's the nephew of Virginia Woolf. I remember Virginia Woolf used to call those guys, uh, she called them, cock-a-doodle-dum, cock-a-doodle-dum, she called the, uh... The fellow Quentin Bell, it was, yes, Quentin Bell. He did the biography of Virginia Woolf. Anyway, um, Streep as Thatcher. Uh, hmm. The PR team uh, invited a dozen of Britain's most influential female journalists to meet Streep. Hmm. What a crazy idea. Anyway. Um, the dinner, uh, they said, was to be cooked by Streep. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know. I guess uh, Hollywood always assumes that the charm offensive will do things. Uh, one of the journalists said, I think the assumption was that we would all be broadly sympathetic to this film. That's Indian Night journalist in in the UK. Uh, the women went to a private screening in Soho 
They were then given gin and tonics for the road, driven to the home of the film's director, Phyllida Lloyd. Hmm, one of them says, everyone sort of piled in the taxis and they were saying, oh my God, it's so revisionist, it's disgraceful. <sighs> they mentioned Boudicca here, yes, the, the old pagan queen, uh, the columnist Suzanne Moore wondered, well, what are we going to say? Others considered escaping for pizza, Meryl Streep, flanked by a dog, greeted the women at the door barefoot. There were canapes and a nice wine in the upstairs sitting room. Uh, one of the women says, it was a student supper but done in a much more swish way. There was no L.A. behavior. Meryl seemed to be drinking as much as anyone else. <laughs> I'll bet, yes. <laughs> anyway, she, Meryl Streep, plied the journalists with chicken curry and an American apple pie she smoked in the garden, gossiped about facelifts, did the dishes... And quote, listen very thoughtfully and carefully to people's frankly dull domestic anecdotes about their children. That's from uh, Indian Night, right? <laughs> I can imagine, yes, I don't imagine she smokes in L.A. Anyway, in the evening, this article says, had its awkward moments. Um, Somebody with massive detailed knowledge of the events in Thatcher's time would sort of sniffily say, Well, that is not the way things were. Then we'd kind of all stare at our chicken curry and somebody would eventually diffuse the tension Indian night recalled. Okay. Talk of the Town goes on to say the film is beautifully shot, beautifully acted, and it completely missed the point. A columnist for The Guardian, Polly Toynbee, said later, Oh, they're nice people. You don't want to tell them their film's terrible. So the dinner was pretty excruciating. I can imagine. Polly Toynbee. I wonder if Polly Toynbee is any relation to the historian Arnold Toynbee, one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> yes. He was the one who talked about the arc of history. Uh, yes. The reactions that various societies and cultures have to decadence. You know, when a society begins to fall apart, he says there are these kind of opposing reactions. Sometimes people fall apart. Sometimes they try too hard to keep together. You know, the sort of thing. Uh, I'll, yes, I'll consult Arnold Toynbee. Try to figure out what Americans could have done before they went, went off half-cocked and tried to uh, rewrite history. Uh, never mind. Let us jump right into American politics because... The president's going to give his State of the Union speech. I'm going to run home and uh, get out some terrific munchies 
S over each E. I'm looking here at a picture. It's making me hungry. It's a picture in another New Yorker, a New Yorker for January the 16th. It has Michelle and Barack on a wedding cake, a big fluffy wedding cake. Of course, there on the top and down below on all the other tiers, we see Secret Service men in dark glasses, of course. Uh, it's in the book section, State of the Union. Uh, it's uh, by the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick, his own self. <laughs> he always says, there is no pain we will not publish. A new book on the first marriage, fortunately, fortunately for the readers. He also includes references to other books about first ladies, so there's a lot of material here. Uh, actually, yes, he even includes material on a much more important book on race. Uh, let me find the title of that one. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it's in here somewhere. Um, I'm, we've had the guy on, as a matter of fact. He's been on the uh, air here. Uh, I think his name is Kennedy, was it? Uh, anyway, it will turn up as I skim through this goodie here. But, yes, uh, that's what's new about having Barack Obama in the White House. All the other first ladies, uh, well... Ah, ha, ha, the race issue. Never mind. Um, let me skim through here and give you some of the high points. Uh, actually, I think, I think we can face the fact that the Obamas, uh, are keeping the lid on. We're not going to find out anything about what's going on in the White House, not for years and years, but there are, of course, rumors, um, the book that he's reviewing is called The Obamas from Little Brown. The author is Jody Cantor, J-O-D-I, Cantor, K-A-N-T-O-R. I'm sure you can, you can find it in the bookstores. Uh, hmm. In public they smile and wave. Yes, indeed. Wave like the queen. Wave like the queen. Uh, for gossip, don't bother with this book. Uh, she points out that it is true that Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Obama still have differences. He believes in political process. She is wary of politics. He is purpose-driven and ambitious, and she wants everyone home for dinner at 6.30. No excuses. She loses her patience. He apologizes. Uh, oh, for heaven's sakes. Um that's all nonsense. Ah, uh, uh, ha, ha, the narrative. Michelle is um, the repository of domestic wisdom, decency, and integrity. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, she uh, raises an eyebrow once in a while, reminds him that he is not, at least at home, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> anyway, actually... David Remnick tries to be cute once in a while. He says, One suspects that the reality is more complicated as in any marriage. Uh, parenthesis. I mean, who would have guessed that the lip-locked gores, that would be Al and Tipper Gore, 
Who would have guessed that the lip-locked Gores and not the tempestuous Clintons would now be rent asunder? End parenthesis. My footnote here says I would. Tipper Gore was always very depressed. I don't imagine she's having a very nice time just now. Al, on the other hand, seems to have got his second wind. He's going to have another uh, act. Yes, there are no third acts unless, of course... You were elected to the presidency by the popular vote and not allowed to serve. In a case like that, you're bound to find a third act, fourth act, fifth act. Uh, anyway, this article goes on and on. And uh, actually, it makes the Obamas look sanctimonious. And I, I don't think that's probably the case. I imagine that they're a lot of fun, but obviously... Um, they're not out and about, and uh, they're sticking with the tried and true friends, the people that they can count on to uh, present a proper picture. Uh, let's see, it says here that they draw a pretty tight curtain around themselves, and uh, Michelle goes to bed at 9.30 or 10, right to bed by 10 means more than zen, I always say. The president does paperwork in the treaty room. Small circle of friends, right. Uh, and of course, like all uh, first families, they are virtual prisoners in the White House. <laughs> Hillary Clinton thought that that would keep Bill under control. No way. Um, says that the president, Barack, tries to pierce the bubble by reading ten letters a day. From ordinary people. Michelle shops online using a credit card registered to another name. Okay, there's a lot of stuff here about the daughters, uh, what you would expect. Michelle demands that Sasha and Malia finish their homework a day in advance uh, when possible. She asks for written reports uh, on their travels and other things. She even persuaded the girl's piano teacher in Chicago to relocate to Washington. Well, that's heavy-handed, I must say. Uh, anyway, she presses her staff for clearly defined projects, no one-offs. Remember, she was asked to do something about women in the Congo. She said no, she'd stick to um, obesity. Adolescent obesity is her big one. Uh Rom Emanuel found her reluctance maddening, just maddening. It says, in the end, she doesn't spend more than a couple of days a week on these projects. Uh, okay, not a shoulder to the wheel, gal. Actually, she seems to me to work awfully hard, but I maybe I don't notice. Um, hmm, this article seems to hint that um, the president and his wife express a little self-pity at times. I I can see why. Um, the president seems to think that life in Washington is silly. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty close to the mark. Uh, oh, there's more stuff about the children going to the best schools, just like their parents. Uh, yes, but David Rebnick, the editor of The New Yorker, is not too pleased. Uh, let's see. Um, 
All that talk of lost privacy, the difficulty of living in the White House, the yearning for the normalcy of Hyde Park. We've read all about that, he says. It is understandable, but also a little unseemly. The presidency is not a career, nor is it a component piece in a greater picture of familial contentment. It is an unimaginably demanding mission that inevitably exacts a toll to carry it out. The president is going to miss some dinners, acquire wrinkles, gray hair, and worse. We don't want complaints. We prefer our warriors happy indeed. I think uh, I think they do appear uncomplaining, at least so far as I see, and certainly they are acquiring gray hair and wrinkles. Uh, anyway, obviously, these are bright, intelligent people, and uh, I can see why they would have moments when uh, they find life in the White House irritating, frustrating. Uh, right. Um, one of the one of the advisors says that complaining about how Washington works is like crying over the rain. Well, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe they they want to change things. I hope that's. Uh, mm, let's see. Uh, this this guy, yeah, this uh, aide says that Obama was elected to lead, quote, a rational, post-racial, moderate country that is looking for sensible progress. Right. Then a White House official goes on, except, oops, it's an enraged, moralistic, harsh, desperate country. It's a disconnect that Obama can't bridge. Indeed, indeed. Obviously, he's got it uh, coming at him both ways. Uh have his inmates helped him try? Well, maybe yes. I think I'm reading no. They're pretty much out there alone, these guys. Uh, Barack Obama has said at the end of each day, it is Michelle, her moral voice, her moral center, that cuts through all the noise in Washington and reminds me of why I'm there in the first place. Okay. Now, the other book that... Uh, David Remnick mentions is called Hidden Power. That was written in 2001, and it's got all the other first ladies in it. The author is Katie Martin, K-A-T-I-M-A-R-T-O-N. Now that one, that one, that's the gossipy one, that's juicy. Uh, goes on and on about the marital history of the Wilson administration. Maybe I can read that next time. Good stuff. <laughs> Fabulous stuff. Oh, and FDR and Eleanor. Wow. FDR writes little uh, mocking quadrains about Eleanor because she's a bit of a, well, you know, she's kind of a weeper. She used to go sit in front of this statue of a grieving woman on account of because Franklin had an affair with her social secretary, Lucy Mercer. You know the sort of thing. Uh, she wrote him so many imploring notes that he imposed on her a three-memo-a-day limit. <laughs> I like that. Anyway, um, yeah, check out the book Hidden Power if you want to read about all the other first ladies that are much more amusing. Uh, I think I think we have to wait. We have to wait. Maybe there's more to uh the Obamas, then they're letting on. Uh, Jackie Kennedy wanting the horses that were given to her. 
They said she had to give them back because they were expensive. The king of Saudi Arabia and the president of Ireland sent Jackie the horses. She wanted to keep them. I'm hearing my music coming on, and I just don't have time to tell you all this great stuff about what a mean uh, husband Pat um, um, Richard Nixon was. He left his wife, Pat, just sitting there over and over again. Uh, now, yes, the second half of this article is all about the... Uh, the issue of race in the White House, and I guess I've got to save this. I'll have to save it for next time, and next time we got to raise money. Maybe you could write and tell me uh, what you think of the White House. My favorite person there is Marion Robinson, Michelle's mom. She sneaks out of the White House and goes shopping, and she says people stop her on the street to say she looks just like the First Lady's mother, and she smiles and says, I get that a lot. I'll be back Tuesday, next Tuesday. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Hello, I'm your host, Javelin, of Javelin's Bistro. Cover to Cover Open Book airs every Friday at 3 p.m. to 3.30, bringing you art and culture from around the Bay. I will be coming to you from Javelin's Bistro as your host every third Friday. My goal is to go out in the Bay Area in search of every form of art that I think aesthetically speaks to human consciousness and emotional intelligence, seeking out art and artists that's moving our humanity forward in the 21st century. And of course, that will be in my humbled opinion. So the good news is that you get a chance to join me in that search. So if you know of some art form that is open to the public, please call me at 510-848-6767, extension 219. Cover to cover. Open book. KPFA, KPFB, Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. It's 3.30. Stay tuned.